0: It's time to eat. Get in my belly! Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Evan Silva. Me so hungry. On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby! It is the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast, and if you're looking for a place to make online wagers, go over to betonline.ag. Use promo code PODCAST1 for that 50% sign-up bonus. His name is Evan Silva. He is the best fantasy analyst in the galaxy, which is why he is my co-host and the star of the Fantasy Feast podcast. Give him a follow on Twitter, at Evan Silva. I'm the former NFL offensive lineman, at Ross Tucker NFL. This is one of, I don't know, seven podcasts, that you can check out over at RossTucker.com, four of which I'm actually on. Had Andrew Brandt talking about Bart Starr and more on today's Ross Tucker Football Podcast. We'll have Steve Fezzik primarily giving NBA Finals, next year NBA, and NBA free agency betting tips on the Even Money Podcast. And we dove into some of the rookie o linemen on yesterday's college draft podcast today evan we are going to dive in to the mfl of death breakdown i'll let you explain a little bit more about what that is before we dive in but these are all experts these are all pros so you get to see what they what moves they make and then evan you'll be able to react to it which is pretty cool uh, you can always check me out on Twitter and Instagram at Ross Tucker NFL or Facebook, facebook.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. I will mention, by the way, at least one more time before I forget, if you don't know what you're going to get your dad yet for Father's Day, I'm just telling you, you got to check out com. There is nothing better than having a writer interview you for 10 minutes, write a quick story about your dad that you get framed and it looks like it's on the cover of a newspaper that really your dad can hang up in his office or in his house and have forever. It's awesome. Myfrontpagestory.com. All right, Evan. So before we actually get into some of these picks and break them down with your thoughts, what exactly is the MFL 10 of death or maybe more importantly, Who is in the MFL 10 of death?
1: A lot of different fantasy analysts are in this. This is the sixth year that it's being run. It's been put up by, uh, or this year, the the guy who put it together was Pat Dorman of Pro Football Focus, uh, longtime Pro Football Focus uh, fantasy writer. And I know he's an avid listener to the show. Um, So, uh, but, yeah, it's, it's a bunch of different – like, Scott Barrett is in it, Sean Siegel, who we've had on the show. A lot of the guys in the, the league we've had on the show in the past, um, and it's, it's, it's a pretty competitive, uh, you know, lead because, because it has gone on annually. And um, we're a, about, I think, three rounds in, but we're going to try to get through as many picks as we can and just do a quick analysis on each pick. I thought people would enjoy that. Remember, this is a best ball league, so it's a little bit different than a season-long league um, You know, where you make moves uh, in season. You can make trades. You can make waiver wire pickups in the best ball league. You cannot do any of that, and on a week-to-week basis, the computer autom- aut- you know, aut- automatically selects whatever players you have as the highest scoring each week at each position, But that's also why you need to make sure to have quality depth at each position. Um, You know, you want to have five or six running backs. You want to have seven or eight receivers. You are going to endure injuries over the course of the year. Um, But you also have to understand where to not go too deep and where to kind of be willing to take some risks in terms of thinness at positions. And that's typically at quarterback and tight end, you're going to see quarterbacks in particular go real, real late uh, in this draft, because just because there are so many viable options at that position.
0: Yeah, and I, I that makes sense, and it's, it's just interesting to see what the pros, more or less, are doing with the choices they have. The first pick went to Rummy, and he took Saquon Barkley, which seems pretty reasonable to me. I have to think maybe I'm wrong here, Evan, but I have to think that on most in most drafts, Saquon will go number one.
1: Yes, I agree with that. I think that sixty percent sixty to seventy percent of drafts will have Saquon go number one, regardless of whether it's best ball or you know, season long. I think that Ezekiel Elliott is also in that discussion, although um, the fact that he's now being investigated for another off-field incident, you know, we don't want to surprisingly have our 1.01 one pick miss four games. With Saquon Barkley, we know we are getting extreme volume. We don't necessarily trust the offense, although the offense the offensive line got better in the offseason. Kevin Zeitler uh, added at right guard John Halepio, who they were counting to be their starting center last year. He is back healthy. Um, and then at right tackle, Mike Remmers. I mean, just not, you know, couldn't be too much worse in, in any scenario, or can only be better than what they had at right tackle last year. Will Hernandez will be in his second NFL season, and um, and uh, Nate Soldier uh, will be in his second year in the offense. So uh, there, there's enough there, I think, around him. And we saw what Saquon Barkley did last year with less around him, and this guy led the NFL in yards from scrimmage.
0: Number two was Beers Water. I love that. It was Mike Beers, right? Um, Yeah,
1: Mike Beers. We've had him on the show a couple times, I think.
0: Yeah, Beers Water. He took Christian McCaffrey with the number two overall pick.
1: Yes, and Christian McCaffrey is my 1.02 as well at this stage. Um, You know, the Panthers kind of early in the offseason talked about maybe taking some of the workload off of his plate, but, you know, their additions aren't very inspiring as as to that end. I mean, Jordan Scarlett was their biggest addition, a fifth-round pick out of Florida who, you know, never ran for more than 800 yards in a college season, was a committee back, was hurt a lot, got into some trouble off the field, a talented guy, you know, a guy that. I think he's not a bad pick like in the third round of a dynasty rookie draft um, because I think that he's the clear favorite for number two duties in Carolina. But when that's your only competition for work, I think we're going to see another year of Christian McCaffrey in that Ladanian Tomlinson role uh, in Norv Turner's second year as the Panthers' offensive coordinator.
0: Number three, Scott Barrett took Zeke Elliott.
1: Yep, yeah, and we already talked about the risk that there is with Ezekiel Elliott. But you know, to me, when, when I when I kind of you know read about it and, and learned about the situation, it, it seemed kind of relatively innocuous, and I would not bet on Ezekiel Elliott uh, missing any time because of it. The, the thing is that he just he's already gotten in trouble once for uh, violations of the conduct policy, and if they think that you know this incident reflected poorly on the NFL at all, then they could definitely hit him with another multi-game ban. Um, so that's a reason to keep track of this number two running back derby in Dallas. we got Tony Pollard, the fourth-round pick out of Memphis, super explosive, ran 4 at 2 at two ten. 10. Um, backed up Daryl Henderson, but, man, he did a lot uh, in, in a, you know, quote-unquote backup role, seven career kickoff return touchdowns in only three seasons. Um, was drafted in the fourth round after being a backup, you know. Um, that, that speaks to his talent, caught 104 passes in three seasons, played a bunch of slot receiver, kind of a gadget guy, but he's built like a feature back at six foot 10. Um, but uh, as for Zeke Elliott, yeah, I think that he is the, the 1.03 or the 1.04. Um, you, you can make a case for Alvin Kamara at number three as well.
0: Well, Alan Kamara in this draft went to Sean Siegel at four. And I got to think he, he's going to benefit from the Mark Ingram-Lat-Murray uh, swap out. Because I, I just don't think Latavius Murray is, is the player that Mark Ingram is.
1: I agree with that. I think your, your concern is probably that Latavius Murray um, takes more goal line uh, responsibilities away from Mark Ingram. Or, or away from Alvin Kamara than Mark Ingram did because really Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram kind of split that role. And really it was even leaning toward Alvin Kamara over the last three years. Uh, no running back in the NFL has more carries inside the five yard line than Latavius Murray. So in multiple coaching staffs have like identified him as a guy that they want to give the ball uh, in very close range scoring position. So that would kind of be the concern, but Ultimately, what, what I'm looking at from Latavius Murray is something like 9 to 13 touches per game, and Mark Ingram was at like 13 to 14 touches per game. So, yeah, I think that the arrow is still pointing up on Alvin Kamara. You know, he's still the number two option in the passing game in New Orleans. This is a full PPR league, of course, and um, I think that I, I would take Alvin Kamara over Ezekiel Elliott right now
0: number five David Johnson
1: yeah David Johnson is also my fifth overall pick that is a little bit ahead of or above consensus who made this pick Ross at number five I'm not looking yeah at
0: sorry you. it was it was late round quarterback
1: yeah that's J.J. Zacharyson. um so yeah I mean we're we're very much on the same page I'm excited about this Cardinals offense I you know, it's going to be a total reversal from what we saw in the bunch bunch formations from Mike McCoy. It's going to be a spread out offense that gets players in space, gets the ball out of Kyler Murray's hands very, very quickly. In order to deal with, you know, their pass protection is still not probably not where it needs to be. But I think they're going to do things that uh, make their pass protection look better than it really is, and. You know, heavy usage of David Johnson is going to be part of that. Um, Went back and looked at Cliff Kingsbury's history. And, you know, DeAndre Washington at Texas Tech was a guy that had back-to-back over um, 1,000-yard rushing seasons, was also heavily used in the passing game under Cliff Kingsbury at Texas Tech. And, you know, obviously we're, we're talking about at different levels and different levels of player here. But I think that that's the kind of usage that we are going to be looking for out of David Johnson, very versatile usage. You know, this is not going to be a team that throws the ball 50 times a game, I don't think, even though I know that that's the perception of, you know, what, what is a Texas Tech offense. I think that they are going to run the ball plenty, and they're going to just use, you know, pass plays, short pass plays, as an extension of the running game. game. And David Johnson is going to be an, a tremendous fit in that kind of an offense. And um, yeah, so I agree that he is the 1.05 pick.
0: The next guy is Pat Thorman with the 1.06 pick. Pat started the league. Melvin Gordon running back from the chargers. The last uh, of the running backs to start the draft, by the way, there's a, there's a little bit of a, uh, of a surprise pick maybe next, but for this one, it's Melvin Gordon Pat Thorman takes
1: him 1.06. Yes, and Melvin Gordon is also my pick uh, at 1.06. Uh, just in, in terms of my own personal uh, rankings, um, he has finished the last couple seasons on injured reserve. You know, you remember him hobbling around in the playoffs, gutting it out on you know messed up legs. I mean, he had what knee braces on both uh, on both legs late in the season. Um, he clearly was not healthy, and and that's kind of an ongoing concern. They do have guys that, you know, in Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson, that they can give the ball to situationally to take some off his plate. Um, That, of course, doesn't help in fantasy, but you do want to see him be able to finish seasons. When he has been healthy, he's been highly, highly productive. He's gotten so much better in the passing game than when he first broke into the league, you know, was not used Often in the passing game at Wisconsin. Then he lost that, those duties to Danny Woodhead early in the year, but he's, he's become a legitimate factor, major factor in the passing game over the course of his career, has been a, a high volume touchdown scorer. I wish that the Chargers would have addressed their offensive line more than they did. You know, bringing back um, that right side of the offensive line was a problem with Michael Schofield and Sam Tevy um, late in the year. Hopefully, those guys get better. Uh, but I, I think that Melvin Gordon, you know, aside from the the, the the recent history of injuries and, you know, it's not like they've been super severe injuries, but they, they've been nagging and annoying and they have hurt his on field performance. He also dealt with a hamstring injury. But I think that in terms of his workload, you know, you're you're kind of buying the offense here, too. And offense is going to be good, even with those problems on the right side of the offensive line. I think that Melvin Gordon is just a rock-solid pick in the middle of the first round.
0: Next up, a little bit of a a surprise, maybe, Sigmund Bloom from footballguys.com with the seventh pick. He takes Travis Kelsey, first non-running back off the board. He takes the tight end from the Chiefs.
1: Yeah, and Travis Kelsey, you know, and – Bigman, you know, because I'm in a bunch of different leagues with him and I I did a podcast with him uh, last week, so I kind of know his thinking as to the Chiefs' situation, and his thinking is that he doesn't think that Tyreek is going to play this year, and so that's going to open up a ton of targets. I mean, Tyreek Hill was uh, top 10 in the NFL in targets last year, and, you know, some of those are going to go to McCole Hardman, and some of them are going to go to Demarcus Robinson, but it puts Travis Kelsey in really rare air in in terms of what is it? I mean, we know that he's got a rock solid floor, but what is his upside? You know, can he finish, can he get like 175 targets for, you know, for some perspective this past year? Um, I believe it was Kittle had 156 targets to lead all tight ends. You know, could Kelsey beat that by like 20? This team is still going to be playing in a lot of shootouts. They're going to be a pass-first team. That's what Andy Reid has always been. Um, and Travis Kelsey is, you know, in the, the prime peak of his career. Uh, he actually broke Rob Gronkowski's record for most receiving yards uh, by a tight end this past year and then was passed later in the day, of course, by, uh, by George Kittle. Um, but, yeah, he's got immense, immense upside and you know, just a little peek there into Sigmund's thinking.
0: Yeah, well, I—I I mean, I—that logic makes sense. What about at number eight, Mike Clay from ESPN? He took Le'Veon Bell. Still weird to see Le'Veon Bell, New York Jets.
1: Yeah, um, you know, Mike Clay is going to chase the volume. You know, that's that's going to be his philosophy, and I, I think that, that that philosophy over time is is real strong. I have Joe Mixon ahead of Le'Veon Bell. Um, personally, you know, I, I like the the Bengal situation just a little bit better than the Jets. I just think the Jets it's a boomer bust situation. You know, I think it it could go well. There is a scenario where all this could come together. You know, Sam Darnold, you know, the, the dysfunction at the top of the organization doesn't affect the product on the field. Sam Darnold takes the expected second year leap. So many of these quarterbacks have kind of had like these rookie quarterbacks that are drafted early have had. Kind of shaky, you know, up and down first seasons, and then took a huge leap in year two. Whether it be, you know, Carson Wentz was kind of like that. Um, Mitchell Trubisky uh, was kind of like that, and um, I think that that could definitely be the case for Robbie An- or for Sam Darnold. You look at what he's got around him. Robbie Anderson in his contract year, you know, they added uh, uh, Jamison Crowder as a, a possession receiver in the slot. Quincy Anunua is back healthy. He, he was kind of the number one early last season over Robbie Anderson before suffering a high ankle sprain that effectively ruined his season. You know, you, you've got Le'Veon Bell in that receiving role. And, um, you know, of course, Chris Herndon, in the second year tight end. So there is a scenario where all this kind of comes together. I, I personally don't feel great about it right now, but you know, again, it's late May. So, Uh, But this is what Mike Clay is doing. He's he's chasing the volume, and hopefully Adam Gase, despite reportedly not wanting Le'Veon Bell, will put him to the best possible use and use him a ton in the passing game and just get those easy, quick completions for Sam Darnold.
0: Number nine, C.D. Carter takes the guy you just were talking about, Joe Mixon, running back for the Bengals.
1: Yeah, took a really big, took a really big leap uh, going from three and a half yards per carry to uh, 4.9 this past year, uh, going from his first season to his second season, you know, admitted that he was kind of out of shape as a rookie. And um, I thought he's, you know, he his the evidence suggests that he was much more explosive. I mean, he became a, a legitimately fun running back to watch. He's always been great as a receiver, you know, when he was healthy last year, we didn't hear a peep from Giovanni Bernard. I mean, he put down Giovanni Bernard, uh, who was getting like three to five touches per game when Joe Mixon was healthy. Joe Mixon has missed a couple of games in each of his first two seasons. Um, But, you know, no serious injuries, the versatile game, adding the first round offensive linemen, In Jonah Williams, you got AJ Green back. You got Tyler Eifert back for now, Um, and then hopefully John Ross can do some things. We saw Tyler Boyd take a big third-year leap, so I, you know, I think this offense is a little bit underrated, Um, and I think it's going to be top half of the league. And uh, I I like the investment into Joe Mixon. Uh, I think he's going to get over twenty touches per game this year.
0: Then we got number ten. Evan Silva, I know that guy. James Conner, you went with James Conner, last running back for a while. By the way, James Conner from yeah. the Steelers.
1: Yes. Um, so, yeah, you know, I'm going to take a running back heavy strategy in this draft. James Conner was not, you know, not 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 my favorite pick here. I looked t- into taking wide receivers, but. There comes a point in these drafts where running back really falls off a cliff, cliff and then you're just hoping to get lucky. And it really starts, I would say, about about the fifth or sixth round. So, I mean, I'm not going to make any secret of it. Like, I'm going to hammer running backs early in this draft and you'll, you'll see that my next pick is also a running back. But with James Conner, you know, historically the Steelers have used their running backs in true feature back roles, whether it be obviously Le'Veon Bell, but... Um, you know, D'Angelo Williams when he would replace Le'Veon Bell. Even last year after James Conner, uh, or when James Conner missed some time, you know, Jalen Samuels had two or three games there as a spot starter and was used heavily as a true primary back. Now, it is concerning how good, for for the case of James Conner, how good Jalen Samuels was in those opportunities. It's also concerning that they used a fourth-round pick on Benny Snell. I mean, that, that doesn't make me feel any more comfortable about James Conner. But I think that at the end of the day, he's going to be their best option at lead back. The returning five of five offensive line starters, despite the loss of um, Antonio Brown, I still think they're going to be a top 10 offense, no problem. You know, Ben Roethlisberger back, I think Vance Vance McDonald can take a big step forward. Juju Smith-Schuster, I think, is a true number one. And I think that James Washington, one of James Washington, or Dante Moncrief, uh, is going to have a pretty good year in 2019. Um, So, that's my thought process behind James Conner.
0: Okay, number 11, um, Rifo18, I forget who this is, at rifo eighteen. But he took take this, the first receiver off the board, DeAndre Hopkins from the Houston Texans.
1: Yeah, Ryan Forbes um, uh, does, does a lot of daily fantasy golf, but he's also been he's also in uh, some di- I'm in some dynasty leagues with him. He's just a good fantasy player, period. Uh, so he, yeah, he takes the first wide receiver, DeAndre Hopkins, and. You know, I don't think you can go wrong with, with any of these. My my top tier for wide receivers is um it's a pretty big one. It goes about seven guys deep. DeAndre Hopkins is at the top there, along with Devontae Adams. I've kind of settled on Devontae Adams as being my wide receiver one overall um, at this stage of the off season. And then DeAndre Hopkins is, I believe, two, and then Odell Beckham is three, and I think Julio Jones is number four. But you know, I think you, can, you can't really go wrong with any of those guys. DeAndre Hopkins has an incredible rapport with uh, Deshaun Watson that they formed. It, it reminds me of Deshaun Watson when he was at Clemson throwing the ball to Mike Williams on the back shoulder phase. I mean, who can defend DeAndre Hopkins along the sideline? He just owns the boundary. Uh, he's a touchdown scorer. You know, he can run vertical routes and win. Uh, he is. He is absolutely... Uh, very much worthy of being the number one wide receiver selected.
0: Well, and you mentioned Devontae Adams. He's he's your wide receiver one. He's up next. And he went uh, pick. We're at the turn now. Lord Reeves took yep. two receivers, Devontae Adams at the end of the first round and Juju Smith-Schuster at the top of the second.
1: And these guys could finish number one and number two in the NFL in targets. With DeAndre Hopkins, you do have to kind of deal with uh, year two of Kiki QT, who I think has a chance to be like a great, great value pick. Um, he's being drafted around like wide receiver 50 right now, um, and I think he should be like wide receiver 35. I mean, he's you know he, he's a great value pick. And then Will Fuller, of course. Um, when Will Fuller has been in the lineup, DeAndre Hopkins has just not gotten as many targets. You know, he loses about two targets per game when Will Fuller plays. Um, so those are you know mildly concerning issues for DeAndre Hopkins with these other two guys. Juju Smith-Schuster was number four in the NFL in targets this past season, and the Steelers are missing the fifth most targets in the NFL from last season. So you're talking about a guy that is already locked in locked into immense opportunity in a situation where a ton of uh, more opportunity in his own offense is up for grabs, you know? So I think that Juju Smith-Schuster could lead the NFL in targets. With Devontae Adams, you know, has Aaron Rodgers really shown a rapport with anybody else in the Packers pass catcher core beyond Devontae Adams? No. He he really has not. You know, you go back and read that Ty Dunn piece uh, on Bleacher Report about the, the Packers, I mean, they go so in-depth. There's actually a lot of fantasy takeaways from that article. You know, he Aaron Rodgers kind of didn't like Marcus Valdez-Scantling. You know, why why did Marcus Valdez-Scantling go from being a guy that was, like, having big games and making big flash plays to kind of just disappearing down the stretch? We speculate. or I speculated last year that it was – maybe he was, like, kind of hitting the rookie wall. Well, we read the Ty Dunn Bleacher Report piece and – He's like, Aaron Rodgers didn't like Marquez Valdez-Scantling. And that's all it takes. You know, that's really all it takes. Um, And Devontae Adams is the guy that he likes, and he's just going to pummel Devontae Adams with targets, especially in scoring position over the last three years. Devontae Adams leads the NFL in receiving touchdowns and red zone targets.
0: Next up, we've got the 14th overall pick second pick of the second round. And that's our boy Rifo 18. Again, he went with Damian Williams chiefs running back. It's un- if you would have told me a couple years ago or a year ago, that uh-huh. Damian Williams would be the 14th pick in a fantasy draft among experts. That's amazing.
1: <laughs> it is man. And, and it's the, it's the power of the chiefs offense. Um, they're going to score, score a lot of points. They had the best quarterback in football. Um, they are going to need to score a lot of points because their defense still isn't very good. I mean, they did add Frank Clark. That's great. But, you know, they also lost Justin Houston and D Ford. Um, their cornerback unit is the worst in the NFL. Uh, they did add Tyran Matthew. You know, he's going to help, but you know, their linebacker core is, is still pretty poor. So, And they're changing schemes. Steve Spagnuolo hasn't run a good defense in a real long time. I mean, it's been a long time since Steve Spagnuolo was the coordinator of a successful defense. So, um, you know, last year you go back, Damian Williams started six games, including the playoffs, scored 10 touchdowns in them, averaged over 100 total yards per game. He's got to deal with Carlos Hyde. who I think probably is going to play a little bit bigger role than, than people think, and is a really good pick, like in the ninth round. And then Darwin Thompson and James Williams are guys to kind of watch. Uh, rookies uh, down further down the depth chart. This is super early, though, for Damian Williams. I mean, let's you know, let's not let's not cut around that fact. Um, Ryan Forbes is a Chiefs fan, so maybe letting his bias spill into this selection a little bit more. Uh, than
0: than the rest of the league <laughs> I love it all right what about what about you were up next, Evan, and you went dalvin yeah. cook you went back yeah. to back running backs i mean even that I would say evan like you're you 're the best fantasy analyst in the business, and with your first two picks in in the first fifteen picks of a real draft. You took James Conner and Dalvin Cook. i got to be honest with you, Evan. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not overly impressed.
1: <laughs> well, you know, we all, we all make mistakes, you know, and, and we gotta, we got to deal with them. I mean, look, Dalvin Cook is really in position for a breakout year this season. You know, the Vikings uh, acquire a new center. I think that Garrett Bradbury is going to be a great fit. Um, for Gary Kubiak's run scheme. I think that they're going to be committed to the run. Um, Alexander Madison is a guy, if I was in a seasonal league, and I don't usually try to handcuff running backs in uh, best ball, although although this may be a situation where Alexander Madison has been a a guy that I have been drafting a lot of um, because he could end up with a, like an 11 to 14 touch per game role. And if Dalvin Cook gets hurt again, then – um, Alexander Madison, you know, becomes the lead back on a on a team that wants to play run first football. Mike Zimmer has drilled this in uh, ever since they fired uh, John Filippo. They moved to Kevin Stefanski. They became very run game oriented down the stretch. Dalvin Cook was hyper productive late in the season. Uh, he can catch passes, so that's good for uh, points per reception. Uh, and then they bring in Kubiak, who you know has has. Long engineered, very successful uh, running games. The uh, Dalvin Cook, the problem is the injuries because he has missed 17 of a possible 32 games in his first two seasons. I think that if I have the chance to get Alexander Madison, um, even though this is not normally my philosophy in a best ball league, again, I think that Alexander Madison could, could have standalone value this year, but I think if I have a chance to take him in like the 10th or 11th round, I'm going to pull that trigger um, to kind of protect uh, my 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 second-round investment here in, in the injury-prone and injury-ravaged Dalvin Cook.
0: The next pick in the draft, uh, speaking of injuries, well, I'll get to that in a couple picks, but right now we go back to C.D. Carter, and he took, with the 16th pick, Michael Thomas, Saints wide receiver, I, you know, this just feels a little low for, for him for me, uh, Evan. What am I missing?
1: Well, the wide receivers tend to get kind of ticked down in this format because, again, the running backs fall off a cliff so quickly. Um, so the running backs get pushed up, and that's why you see a guy like Damian Williams, um, you know, appear much higher than you would anticipate. You know, I think that Dalvin Cook was was taken high based on the format. With wide receiver, it's just a really deep position. You know, teams teams go three deep at wide receiver. You know, there are teams that where you, you can have three guys being productive in the same wide receiver core um, because teams play – I mean, what is it? Like the, the league is like over 60 percent, 11 personnel, three wide receivers. Um, and just passing volume rises every season so that – gives more that brings more wide receiver more wide receivers into the um you know the relevant pool um so you know we can be like drafting our sixth seventh eighth wide receiver and we're getting guys who have like stable roles and are going to contribute to us probably three four five weeks out of the season um so that, that's why you see wide rece- a wide receiver like michael thomas who's such a stud you know, an and, and over-100-catch kind of guy and maybe even, like, 120-catch kind of guy. That's why you see him get bumped down a little bit. But, hey, you know, he's a great value pick here in the middle of the second round.
0: Then you get Todd Gurley. And this will be a fascinating, fascinating selection. Mike Clay's taking him. I mean... Todd Gurley ha- is probably going to, if we're being honest, Evan, he's going to make or break you know, people's fantasy drafts who take him and or maybe even be the biggest difference maker in fantasy leagues. I mean, if he's healthy and is Todd Gurley and you get him at pick 17 where Mike Clay got him, you're in really good shape. If he's hurt and does nothing for you, you're probably cooked.
1: Exactly, exactly. He's going to, um, you know, he, he's going to have a huge impact just either negatively or positively. And this is another situation where I think that, you know, taking Daryl Henderson, it's going to be really interesting to see where Daryl Henderson ends up going because I could see him going real, real early in drafts, like fifth round by the time we're in August, um, depending on reports about the health of Todd Gurley's knee. It'll be interesting to see if Mike Clay comes back and tries to add him in. I don't know. Let's say like the seventh or eighth round, um, because Daryl Henderson is a guy that could have standalone value in addition to, um, you know, being a, a, a true league winner. If Todd Gurley misses time, um, but yeah, I think that the, the 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 risk is worth it right here. In the as we're kind of approaching, you know, the the second third round turn, the risk starts to become worth it. For Todd Gurley, I think we can definitely not anticipate his workload being what it what it once was, and the Rams have actually publicly told us that it won't be. But uh, I think that we, but I, I, but obviously the ceiling is still there in one of the best offenses in football, um, and he's such a good receiving back. As well, I'd like to see him them use him a little bit less as a runner and a little bit more as a receiver. Get him out in space a little bit more, and maybe have Malcolm Brown, Malcolm Brown take on some of that in between the tackles grinding.
0: Um, then we've got at number eighteen, Sigmund Bloom takes Julio Jones with the sixth pick in the second round.
1: Yeah, I mean, pretty you know chalky pick here. Uh, Julio Jones over 1,400 receiving yards in five consecutive seasons. We had talked about the, the positive touchdown regression, uh, hopefully hitting him in the previous two years, and then it did last year. I think yeah, it was eight or nine touchdowns. Um, you know, so I, I, And I think that this is, is still going to be a prolific passing offense, and, and Julio Jones still squarely in the prime of his career, playing at an extremely high level.
0: Back-to-back Browns went in the draft. You don't see that very often. 19th pick, Pat Thorman took Odell Beckham Jr. 20th pick, late-round QB, J.J. and took Nick Chubb.
1: Love getting Odell Beckham here at number 19 for Thorman. I mean, Odell Beckham could easily have the best season of his career. I think that he's going to be playing with the best quarterback play of his career in 2019 um, and he's kind of, you know, got something to prove, got a chip on his shoulder this season. And I, I don't, I don't mind picking guys with chips on their shoulders. Um, I think that, you know, he, the, he could easily finish as the, the wide receiver one overall. And then at number 20, you know, I thought about taking Nick Chubb where I took Dalvin cook, which I believe was the 15th pick. Nick Chubb goes 20th overall to JJ Nick Chubb. Like, should be in the mix, at least until Kareem Hunt gets back at midseason. And there are some reasons for concern about Nick Chubb. Um, This guy was not healthy, you know, very often at Georgia. Um, This guy averaged about two targets per game um, after he took over as the Browns starter. And you got to deal with Kareem Hunt in the second half of the season. But, man, this guy could score a ton of touchdowns for the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland Browns should have a really solid Interior offensive line with Joel Betonio, and uh, the the center J C Treader, and then um, hopefully Austin Corbett can take a step forward um, and, and seize that right guard job. Um, but with, with Nick Chubb, you're just getting you're giving yourself a lot of touchdown upside. I think that he should compete for the league lead in in rushing scores in the first half of the year.
0: Twenty first pick, Sean Siegel took Mike Evans. From the Bucks, I really like that pick.
1: Yeah, I mean, this Buccaneers team is going to throw the heck out of the football this year. Their defense is, I think they've got the worst defensive personnel in the league. I think that Ndamukong Suh is a downgrade from Gerald McCoy. Um, Jason Pierre-Paul, who had 12 sacks last season, may not be ready for week one. This team is going to have to air the heck out of it, and Mike William Mike Evans, is going to be a primary beneficiary, along with you know, Jameis Winston, Chris Godwin, and uh, OJ Howard.
0: Next pick, Scott Barrett, number twenty-two. Uh, I hate it. It's Leonard Fournette, and I think Scott Barrett is dumb for making that pick.
1: <laughs> I will let him know uh, that you said that. Um, no, he look, he's chasing volume here. You know, he's he's hoping that we can. We can get a health, mostly healthy season out of Leonard Fournette. They are getting all the – they had four starting offensive linemen on injury reserve last year, and they are getting all four of those guys back. Um, I've been getting Leonard Fournette a lot, but not until like the mid to late third round. That, that's where I, I'm willing to take him. It's rich for uh, Scott Barrett to take Leonard Fournette here, uh, but I do understand the thinking, and again – you know, running backs have immense value because just everything becomes a dart throw beginning in around like the, the fifth, sixth round.
0: And then we've got, um, the last couple picks of round two, which is how we'll wrap up today's edition of the fantasy feast podcast. We got, uh, Mike beers, beers, water taken Antonio Brown at 23 and then, uh, Rumford, Johnny Rumford, Rummy, wrapping it up with George Kittle. Antonio Brown, George Kittle, a couple Bay Area pass catchers.
1: Yeah, George Kittle, of course, in that first tier. Actually, I uh, recently separated the, the top tight ends into two tiers, the top three tight ends into two tiers. I have Kelsey in his own tier and then Kittle and Ertz in that second tier. Kittle, of course, coming off an unbelievable season, did most of his damage with Nick Mullins, who, you know, was a second-year undrafted quarterback. And now, you know, you would think that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be an upgrade on Nick Mullins um, for the 49ers, and the Niners could be even more efficient than last year. You do expect the step forward for Dante Pettis, Debo Samuel, they took with the thirty-sixth overall pick in the draft. Uh, but, yeah, George Kittle is my number two tight end, and that's where Rummy took him. With, uh, with Beers, he takes Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown is a very much a boomer bust guy, I think, in Oakland. I think that the targets are going to be there, but how dramatic is his drop in efficiency going to be? Um, first of all, the Raiders do run a lot fewer plays than the Steelers. They're more committed to the running game than the Steelers. Um, so I think that Antonio Brown is going to lose some volume. I still think he's going to be a top top seven, eight guy in terms of sheer targets. But then, you know, how much efficiency does he lose going from Ben Roethlisberger to Derek Carr? Um, I think that especially in the vertical passing game where Derek Carr has never been a high-volume um, deep ball thrower, uh, I think that he's going to experience some drop-off. I mean, it's just not going to be – you know a, a big time explosive downfield playmaking season for Antonio Brown, um, but you know Beers is chasing the volume here, I think. And uh, right around that second third round turn, I think that that's where we're going to see where we're going to see Antonio Brown go for the most part uh, in in 2019 drafts with Oakland Raiders.
0: Evan, terrific work. I like that. I like being able to break down what moves the experts are making, and then have you, who's the expert of experts, break down their move. That's like double expertage there. I like it. Speaking of experts, betonline.ag is your online sportsbook experts. They really are. You go to betonline.ag, they got all kinds of odds up right now. They've got odds on where guys like Jimmy Butler and Kevin Durant are going to land an NBA free agency. They got new NFL odds. Odds for team with the best record. Odds for teams with the worst record. Very, very cool. But the only place to do it, and heck, you can do it now before the conference finals start in the NBA. BetOnline.ag. They are your online sports book experts. And just use, make sure you use that promo code PODCAST1. Reminder also, you can always ask Evan any question you want. I don't know why more of you don't Give him your specific Dynasty question, Keeper League questions. He'll answer it right here for you on the show. All you have to do is take advantage of any of our sponsors, like Bet Online or my front page story, or just go over to the sponsors page at RossTucker.com. It is that easy. Other than that, totally stuffed. That reminds me of the two burgers at my brother-in-law's on Monday that I was talking about on today's Ross Tucker football podcast. I'm stuffed. We're done. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker football podcast, Even Money, and the College Draft podcast, all available on iTunes at rostucker.com or wherever podcasts can be found.